Hello everyone, welcome to the BoomerCast. This is Fluff Content Part 2. So before I get into the part that has to deal with the rise that I've recently got out of YouTube this time, I wanted to make sort of a palate cleanser and give a little bit about the fundraiser story. It did start around the time in elementary school, and maybe I started as early as 3rd grade, but for sure I remember doing the muffin sales in 5th grade. So it was around that time that I decided to do my own little side hustle. Granted, in second grade, the neighborhood kids did want to do a neighborhood club, but it fell flat when the idea of dues was brought up. It basically wasn't feasible because only two out of the maybe six or seven members were able to consistently afford those dues. And then there was the further arguments as to what the dues would go for or who would keep track of them. Logistics were not the strong suit of elementary school-aged girls, but after that I decided to go to the dollar store. This was again around uh, third or fourth grade. Um, I decided to go to the dollar store near the high school, and I would buy a bag of pixie sticks, um, the ones that had exactly 101 in them, and I would sell them for about 10 cents each to classmates during recess. I think they also sold them at lunch and the beginning of school for sure. So I would eventually make about 10 bucks for each haul, and that would lead me to get more supplies for a bit. But eventually, I ended up saving about half of it each time for a cause. I didn't donate it to the school because I figure that's what school fundraisers were for, and it was thanks to the neighbor across the street that I found out about a girls' shelter outside of town. I wasn't sure if it was considered a halfway house or a foster system, or if it was the place that the cops would drop off girls that didn't want to go home or they couldn't take them to jail. Either way, I figured with most of them being runaways that I'd give them something special for Christmas. So I saved up the funds, with the exception of supplies of course, and I managed to get them like hair scrunchies and board games and just other little presents for the holidays because they were runaways, and the other girls that were in the house were probably the only family that they would have. Eventually, and again, this was about 5th or 7th grade now, the other neighborhood kids helped me out, excuse me, and we sold muffins and lemonade in the summer. And we sold them at the park, and that money would go to the runaway girls' Christmas presents. Now, in hindsight, I probably should have given the money to my school or just made sure that the girls' home used it for things other than toys and scrunchies, but this is the mind of a very weird elementary school kid, so I kind of thought presents just overrode everything, and that's just how I thought. And the other thing was that I probably made close to $100 afterwards. There may have been one year that I made just over $100, and this was more of a side hobby than a legitimate, oh, I must make money hustle. And in the end, I just had fun doing it. And I kind of wish that I had the same good nature to me that I did when I was little. But over time, I've since grown to be just this jaded skeptic. I mean, even the idea of the YouTube channel, which is now a podcast, was to eventually hand it down to my kid in order to flip the whole family-style entertainment on its head. Now, my kid wouldn't have touched the channel until they were 16, but with the way that things have been going there lately, well, I just hope that I don't muddy this podcast to a point where it's unsalv unsalvageable. Speaking of which, 
if there is anything that I've learned from creators such as Onision, Shane Dawson, Jeffree Star, Charlie Gold, ALR, Chris Hansen, Tati, Trisha Paytas, Gabby Hanna, Life of a Free Spirit, Rewired Soul, and other content creators that are either highbrow and or problematic, it's all cyclical, and they know the pattern like the back of their hands. All they have to do, if they get caught, is to issue a non-apology. They just lay low, maybe do some mild damage control, and wait for somebody else to crap the proverbial bed so drama and or commentary channels can cast their spotlights on the new perpetrator, while they in turn go back to do the same shady stuff without learning anything, because they will never truly get deplatformed. And it may seem like that, that I want everyone who has ever jaywalked or said a curse word to immediately get cancelled. But at the end of the day, I just want them to learn that maybe it's not a good idea to joke so heavily about having sex with kids, or by pretending to beat off to a poster, or orchestrate a yet another conspiracy web just to sell products, sell hairy lipsticks, start up the rumor mill for clout, or cultivate documentaries in order for it to be television 2.0. And look, I know that I said I don't want to make a habit of this, and I am thinking of just turning off anything that would trigger this kind of rise, but they got me. They got a rise out of me. And much of this rise is voiced out in bitter predictions and opinions. I don't think I have ever said X name should commit self-deletion, but I have said that if X name continues down this path, then insert something really bad may happen. And again, I think everyone deserves a chance on social media platforms to voice their opinions, vent, show their art, reveal new discoveries in one's own backyard, or just give some education and experiences. But it's just when the validation turns into a drug where it has to be chased at all hours of the night with a microscope to find all the cracks in the castles of glass without looking after one's own fragile domicile? I have to wonder, is it really worth it? Now, Smoky Glow has said, which, yes, she is biased, but I like her biases. That's not the point. The top 1% isn't representing the other 99%. And though she may have been alluding to the beauty community in particular, that holds true in, I'd argue, all genres on the platforms. It's just, at times like this, I wish the 99% was the one that the platform showed off more. Apart from her, I still listen to Omegon, and I've found Melissa's channel. Thanks to Onision's crappy writings, I found Chaos Untold, Strange Aeons, Michelle Michaelis, Crimson Rogue, and Dr. Dennis Business. Thanks to this Carmageddon and the Rewired Soul, I found Smoky Glow. I found Angelica Oles, Death Noodles, and Primmy. And I really hope that either YouTube can be revived with these content creators, or that these content creators have their voices heard on other platforms as well, at least. Okay, so this was a little heavy and a little ranty. So I guess I'll just sandwich the juicy bit between two fluffy pieces of nostalgia bread. So if you want to keep listening, that is awesome. If not, remember to leave a review or like or comment. 
Remember to stay cool and stay safe. But for those of you who are sticking around, I recently found out what the high school key club was actually for. Um, originally, I thought since the high school teens that I had met that were in the key club were driving cars, I just figured it was the auto club or just the name of the club of high school teens that had a car or knew how to drive. But I'll give a brief wiki description. The Key Club is basically an international service program founded in 1925 that had a goal to encourage leadership through serving others. Now, as far as what the Key Club has to do with this really weird time during my third and fourth grade year, well, I don't know exactly the logistics of it. Maybe these teens had one heck of a fundraiser or they paid out of their own pocket, but I remember in third grade being called by my, by name, to go to the principal's office, along with like a few dozen other kids, only to be escorted outside of the school where a line of cars were parked along the curb. And outside each car was at least one high school student. I think there were like more, you know, a couple of cars that had two of them. But I and the other students came to find out that these were key club members, and they decided to treat us to a $100 shopping spree at Walmart and then pizza dinner at Chuck E. Cheese. And in retrospect, I do remember having to give an envelope to my mom and dad, but I don't know what it was for, and now I'm guessing it was the permission slip to go on this shopping spree. And then, again, it was only like two, maybe three dozen students out of the entire school. And I managed to do it in third grade and fourth grade. It was pretty cool because though I did end up getting myself at least one set of grand champion horses, I mainly used that money to get presents for my family because that was around Christmas time. So it was established that I was a very weird kid growing up. Again, sorry about the second fluff piece and that it had a slice of YouTube ham in it, but I did want to get that stuff off of my chest about it and tell you guys just two fond memories from my elementary school days. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for giving this a chance and thank you, Anchor. As always, stay cool and stay safe.